Welcome to season eight of the Tangent Talk podcast. Did y'all hear that? Eight, as in the infinity symbol, as in, well, you get it. But we are in season eight, you all. We're so excited to be with you. So for those of you who are new to the to the podcast, welcome for our faithful listeners. Welcome back. And today we are discussing, as our first episode of season one, rebranding people of color. You may ask, well, what's that about? Glad that you're curious. Darquan is going to step us through. But first, let's go ahead and do a mic check. Let's see who is on the panel today. Tioff, are you out there? I'm right here. Awesome. Great to have you with us, Tioff. Ildris, Ildris Helbra, which I'm just, you all know I'm going to call him Helbra. Are you out there? Good afternoon. I am here. Not with the sexy vocals. All right, Helbra. All right. And Darquan, who actually is going to be our host today, is so exciting. This is one of the episodes that is sure to go in. For me, I know it's going to be a lot of um, facts and just great discussion. So Darquan, I know you're there. You are our host today. So with that, we'll just go ahead and turn things over to you, Darquan. Talk to the listeners about the title, Rebranding People of Color. What's behind that? And just kind of thinking about, you know, thinking of topics for uh, for this episode, I thought to myself, you know, the world is really changing a lot the last couple of years. And, um, and you know, just thinking about uh, things like, uh, we, we, you know, uh, other countries have had leaders of color um, for years now, you know, especially in those homogenous countries. But here in America, we've seen that we've recently had a black president, black female vice president, uh, multicultural, actually, you know, she's also of uh, Indian descent, too. And so um, just thinking about the progress we've been making politically in America and how we are branded here in America as people of color, you know, it, it just led me to really look into that. And, and, you know, I wanted to, you know, I thought that would be a great thing for us to discuss here as a group. And in, in, in doing some of that research, um, I realized that, you know, we're, we're still in a really divided political state in America and the world really um, is still divided on their perceptions of black people and people of color as a whole. And so you know, in thinking about the recent George Floyd protests following his murder at the hands of police officers, it also showed that the world has a great degree of global empathy for how people of color are seen and treated as a result of that. So, um, you know, I, I, as I was continuing to, to uh, research that, I thought I looked into how we're also seeing large corporations and brands changing their branding, you know, their, their product names or their imagery to no longer be demeaning to people of color. We see companies like Uncle Ben's um, or, or products like Uncle Ben's and Aunt Jemima changing their packaging to, to no longer hearken on those images of slavery. Um, we see Eskimo Pies changing their name to Edie Pies in order to respect the um, you know, the, the Eskimo people and, and, and Inuits and so forth. And we also see one of the longstanding, you know, examples of racism, uh, the Washington Redskins, uh, you know, facing lots of political pressure and so forth to change. And finally, after who knows how long, decades, um, have finally decided to change their name from the Washington Redskins to the Washington football team. And I think they're, they'll be moving on to something else. But watching brands and companies rebrand themselves to operate in a less demeaning way in our current society, it made me think to myself, well, what about people of color? You know, um, what are we doing in terms of rebranding ourselves? You know, and so although I see those corporations, you know, and companies making changes, I see them as being kind of cursory because obviously they've made millions or billions of dollars 
exploiting people of color over the years. Yeah, it made me think about the actual people of color um, in the world today and consider our need to rebrand ourselves. So yeah, so let's discuss that. I want to start off with what we think of the brands or are the brands, you know, the most dominant brands for say black men and women and people of color in America today. Let's start off with uh, tee off. Hello to all of our listeners out there. Um, as you were discussing the different brands and how they changed in order to be more diverse and inclusive and not to basically pander to old slave stereotypes, if you will, and how black people were portrayed in their branding. Uh, you brought up the Aunt Jemima pancakes. I saw a commercial because you, I don't know if you all are aware what they're calling themselves now, but they've changed the name from Aunt Jemima to Pearl Milling Company, something like that. But how much of a change are they making really? Because they, they thought they were slick and they thought that they've appeased us after all of these decades, if you've mentioned Dark One. But if you, if you catch the commercial, be on the lookout for this commercial panel and audience. There's a quick blurb in the corner that pops up. If you just happen to look at the bottom left, I'm sorry, bottom right corner of the screen, it says formerly Aunt Jemima. So did they really change it really? Wow. Still making that connection, yeah. Exactly, it's still there. It, even though they've changed the name, they still mention it in the commercial, just a quick flash and then it goes away. But I noticed it yesterday. So what just, are they, what are they, are they really trying to make a change? I just don't feel like it's a genuine or sincere change as far as that goes. Yeah, I do have the general feeling that it's a bit cursory, uh, as I mentioned, but yeah, that is a really great point. And I'll definitely be looking out for that going forward. But yeah, I just, I'm, you know, kind of back to the initial question. Um, what do you think are the most dominant images or branding of people of color, Black people, people of color in this country? Like when you think of, you know, how we are portrayed, what do you think of? From my perspective, um, sports, athletes, shoe, shoe brands, and their the athletes that they have to endorse them. Music, um, right now, um, I think hip hop is probably the most dominant genre of pop music. Um, so we, when we turn on our televisions, when we uh, turn on our radios, we see and hear a lot of rappers and uh, singers. So I would say those two, music and sports. Helbra hit on definitely some some top ones. And it's interesting, I think he spoke more so from what the stereotypes are with men. For, for Black women, I see it as being um, loud or... Um, overly accessorized, right? Lots of bangles, lots of, um, uh, you know, blinged out uh, jewelry, overly obsessed with hair. What am I missing to you off? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I think you've covered it. <laughs> so I have a question for you, Dark One. When you say brands, are we saying um, brands as in the businesses themselves? Are we saying brands as in how Luna explained it, which is kind of just um, how we see ourselves as being branded? I think it's probably both really. Um, I think primarily though, I, I was looking for how we see ourselves as being branded. Um, but I do think the brands come into play in how we are being branded. So I think we can definitely discuss both. Okay, yeah. Well then, yeah, my answer is kind of still the same thing. Um, uh, I think from like Luna said, as a, um, from a man's point of view, it would be, Definitely sports and athletics and um, music, such 
especially hip hop. Yeah. To really a culture, culture, because hip hop is more so of a culture. So I would say culturally and athletically. Okay. Tiaf, did you have some points you wanted to make on that? Yeah, just in terms of when we want to talk of like brands and companies and how we're portrayed, on the one hand, we're still being portrayed with the uh, stereotypes that Luna Ma brought up. But then on the other side of that, when they do try to give a more positive portrayal of us in the media, especially in advertising, even when they try to portray us in a positive light, there's still no diverse portrayal of us, especially or particularly when it comes to Black women. It's always the biracial girl with the curly hair or the really dark girl with the natural hair. There's usually nothing in between or it's always the really heavy set Black woman advertise whatever. It's, it's still no diverse portrayal of what Black women are like. I don't see Black women who look like me in commercials, for example. Um, or black women who look like Luna Montreal. You know, it's just, it's still not a diverse portrayal. I still think we're still portrayed in a, as a monolith, even in the attempts to portray us positively. Yeah, it's about, um, I don't know how much, uh, how many different sitcoms there are right now, but I know it's about at least three or four, all consistent of um, a group of four black women that are friends. And it'll be one will be, either biracial or very fair complexion with curly hair. And then one is the the dark complexion one that um, has more of a stereotypical, stereotypically ghetto personality and is more loud and rambunctious or the heavier set friend that has more of a loud or rambunctious personality. And then um, the fourth one is usually a, a queer identified person or Tioff said it, it's still we're still portrayed as monoliths. Agreed. And while you're talking about sitcoms, Helper and team, don't forget that regardless of whether or not a sitcom is predominantly African-American or it's diverse, I'm tired of seeing the black woman who's always at either the DMV <laughs> or any kind of customer service um, center. And she's the one who seems apathetic about her job, could care less about what your request is. It's always an African-American woman who is heavyset. I am tired of that portrayal. Don't know if it's just me, but every time I watch a sitcom and there's, um, there's a scene where someone is going to a DMV or going to some customer service center, there's always that stereotypical Black woman who is heavyset and quite frankly, being irresponsible with the way in which she engages with the customers. Mm. You know, and it's interesting because when I think about POC, I don't, and how POC are portrayed, I don't just think about how people of African descent are portrayed in the media. I look at how Latinos are portrayed. I look at how South Asians are portrayed. I look at how East Asians are portrayed. And it's, it's still, it's all across the board. It's a monolithic portrayal of people of color. Like when I look at like Asian men, for example, it's always he, he's either the super nerdy guy or he's the flam, he's flamboyantly gay, which is nothing that's that's perfectly fine that, you know, say gay Asian men have some type of representation, but it's always the flamboyantly gay Asian or the super nerd Asian and nothing else in between. It's or the nerdy Indian guy who's the butt of the joke or the Asian woman who's the submissive whatever or the accessory to a white man. It, you just, you don't see like people of color relationships portrayed positively that much. It's just so many aspects of how 
people of color are portrayed and we're not fully portrayed and it doesn't just impact us as people of African descent, but POC across the board, I think. That, those are great comments. Um, I'm th in thinking of the, the dearth or the, the lack of diversity in the different types of people of color that are portrayed in the media. I'm just wondering what sorts of portrayals you think you know that you would be that you would like to see. We understand you know kind of what's there and what we don't like, but what are you, what types of roles, let's say, are you looking to see people of color represented in? And that goes for all people of color, as you mentioned, Tioff. Just being like how we are normal in our everyday lives. I don't think that that's portrayed. I still feel like when we are represented or portrayed in any form of media, we're still otherized. We're still portrayed as being different from white people who have been made to be the standard, even though they're the minority of the planet, they're made to be the regular American and everybody else is just other. I can't specifically say how I want us to see us all portrayed because again, we're not a monolith and there's diversity within each group. I would just like to see more diversity within each group and us being as we are, how we live every day and not a bunch of people who are just on the extreme ends of stereotypes and just different from white people. Got you, got you. Uh, Luna Ma, uh, Bill, just do you have any thoughts on, on that question? No, I mean, I, I agree with Tioff. I think the sitcoms that I really enjoy are ones that there aren't any extremes. People are just able to be. I was thinking of the very popular um, now complete insecure program. You know, there, there were some characters that, in my opinion, were relatable. Um, and, and, and they were a diverse group of people. You know, you have Lisa, Issa Rae's character who started out being an, an Uber, or excuse me, a Lyft driver, if I, if I have that correct, and um, works her way up to being an entrepreneur. We can relate to that. You have a, a young man who Issa Rae's character was dating who dealt with, you know, a mental, mental health concern. He was, his character was portrayed as having um, a bipolar disorder. And so to me, programs where I can see a diverse group of people dealing with diverse challenges is refreshing because I, I don't want to see the extremes. Stereotypes don't excite me. <laughs> you know, it, it just, if, if anything, when I see stereotypes in, in sitcoms, I, I often find that I know that the sitcom will be predictable. Yeah, and same. Um, it's hard to, like Luna said, just find portrayals of us just, and even Tioff said it, just existing. You know, I think going back to Insecure, as Luna broke, um, brought up, uh, there are two characters, one named Nathan and one named Lawrence. And as I, as a Black man, watch the show and see them, I'm like, oh, wow, we have a show where Black men can just exist, you know, not be on any, on one extreme of something or another. I agree with everything Una and Tioff said. Great points. Um, what do you think causes this uh, kind of extremism in how people of color are portrayed in media? Who do we think are, is responsible, let's say, for this kind of branding of people of color? I got to hit the buzzer first on this one, Dark One, because I know Tioff and, and Ildris <laughs> will provide more detail. But yeah, you beat me to it like 72. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says. Survey says. I was quick with the draw. Um, but here's, here's what just showed up for me immediately as Dark One asked the question. I think about extreme aspects of the music industry. Like... I love hip hop. You all know that. I quote, you know, various hip hop artists uh, on on the podcast. 
but I'm not one to listen to hardcore rap, nor by am I. By various, you mean Jay-Z, but okay. <laughs> I know. By, by various, I mean one artist. <laughs> Thanks to y'all. Um, but, you know, I, I, I am not extreme in my listenership of, of hip-hop music. You know, I, I, I love, believe it or not, I, there are other artists I do love, like most deaf. Um, and so anyway, back to your point or your question, Darquan, I just find for some reason, as soon as you asked the question, what came to mind was the extreme music or the where we see extremes within the music industry. It's either hardcore rap or misogynistic rap, or it's um, really sexualized pop music and R&B. And so I wonder if some of those powers that be who market and, and own those record labels, if they're the same not the same people, but if it's the same context that's at play with, with media that we consume with our eyes, right? So we're talking music, we're consuming with our ears, and then the imagery that we're seeing on these sitcoms that we can consume with our eyes. I'm not sure if anyone's feeling me on that. T-Off or Ildris, anything I to add to that? Sure. Honestly, I just, I think it's by design, to be perfectly honest. It seems like, you know, my, I know my history, it may not be accurate, but when I look back, through history, especially like the post-civil rights movement and then the black power movement came about and you had James Brown making songs like I'm black and I'm proud and songs by the OJs and songs by Marvin Gaye speaking of social justice and trying to speak life into black people despite the hardships we were facing. And it seems like, and then like the seventies, our culture, it was like we were at the peak of our culture, loving ourselves, loving our hair, rocking the afros, putting out beautiful music. And it just seems like throughout history, after civil rights, anytime we've tried to create our own positive images, then the negative ones come out and overshadow those. Like I, the period I just mentioned, and then we had that good period coming out of civil rights and into black power movement. Then we had the black exploitation films. Then you had hip hop come about. Now I'm not a hip hop history buff or aficionado. I, I don't listen to hip hop like you all, but from what I recall, hey. when it came out, it was it was fun, it was positive, it was Black people speaking politically, like this is what's going on in our neighborhood, this is what we're dealing with. Then gangster rap came out, and then even though it's like NWA was talking about this is what they were dealing with too, then it became, you know, we're thugs and, you know, bees and hoes and drugs, and it just seems like anytime we, and then R&B music used to be beautiful and then it became sexualized. Like anytime we try to develop our own positive culture, I just feel like the powers that be and, it's not, and it ain't us come back and start to market the more negative side of our, or perpetu not even negative side, but perpetuating stereotypes. And then that becomes what sells the most. I just, I believe it's by design. That's, that's really interesting uh, feedback. Uh, Ildris, did you have something to say? Yeah, I did. I did. I think to play devil's advocate a little bit, I think our consumerism as the Black community has a lot to do with it as well. Just off of the fact that I think what is being put out to us is because of what we are consuming and what, you know, we're buying into. You know, I, I, I think right now, if on stars, they're about... <laughs> three or four different series that consist of the same portrayal of us as Black people. I'm not going to say names and touch nerves because I know a lot of our listeners out there probably watch 
and know exactly uh, what franchise I'm speaking about. But for instance, 50 Cent is the executive producer of the entire franchise. And I think pretty much every year he creates a different series that is a spinoff of that same franchise. So what is it, are we saying that there is a, a, a power that be that is telling 50 Cent, yeah, poison the black community by putting yes. out these shows. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I hate to cut across. I just wanted to yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Back really quickly on what you're saying. Yeah. Now, I don't know what franchise you're talking about. If it's not The Walking Dead, I don't watch it. I, I hear what you're saying. I think with uh-huh. that, absolutely, yes, what are we consuming as people? But white people, especially, you know, post-civil rights, white people are the actual biggest consumers of black music. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. That's and true. when you look back to the past, when you think back to the you know, post-Civil War, when you think back to the mistress over, even during slavery, mm. white people have always, they don't like us and don't want to be around us, many of them, you know, especially mm. back then, but they still wanted to be entertained by us, which is why you could have greats like Lena Horn and Dorothy Dandridge entertain them, and then they got to go through the back door, can't use the pool or whatever. Mm. They, they mm. love being entertained by us, and I feel like they are especially entertained by us doing harm to each other or it or they're entertained by seeing us in a negative light because it makes them empowered and the one scene that really from a film that really makes me think of that is the scene in Django Unchained when the two when he's watching the two slaves fight each other to death and how that was just entertainment for him so I gotta weigh in here too I I, well said Tioff and here's what's in in, in my thought process um, when Ildris brings up what he brings up. And I love that because Ildris always plays the, the devil's advocate. I think Ildris is correct to some extent that we are consuming a lot of the negative imagery of us, be it in the music or um, in music industry or, or on sitcoms. I, I have to go here because Tioff did mention that guilty as charged, I am a Jay-Z fan. And in his moment of clarity, um, on his moment of clarity, Uh, song, there is a line that just speaks to this, right? So he says, I'd probably be, excuse me, I got to start with the more, more popular intro to this, to this hook. He says, if skills sold, truth be told, I'd probably be lyrically Talib Kweli. Truthfully, I want to rhyme like common sense, but I did five mil. I ain't been rhyming like common sense since when your sense got that much in common and you've been hustling since your inception bleep perception go with what makes sense and so he goes on to say we as rappers must decide what's important and what's there for me is like well jay (laughs) what is more important perception how young people are consuming your music or that five mil so I, it, it, it's, it's tricky because I think in so much as we want our Black celebrities, be they actresses or musicians, to be successful, there is a responsibility there. And I hearken back to an earlier episode that we did on uh, Black actors and the roles that they portray. And we talked about, you know, Sir Bozeman, Chadwick Bozeman. We talked about how... Uh, responsible he was around selecting certain roles. So I'll just end by saying, I think Eldris bring, you know, Helper brings up a good point that there is a portion of the Black community that is completely satisfied <laughs> with consuming negative imagery. And then there's the other component of this, which is, well, who's pushing it? 
right? But that lyric just stands out to me. You know, the fact that, you know, Jay-Z admits it's, it's, it's on wax. He admits if, if skills sold, truth be told, I'd probably be lyrically Talib Kweli, right? So I just, and, and we, and those of us who are hip hop heads, we know, or fans, we know that the Talibs and the commons of the world, they're rapping, they're, they're considered more conscious rappers, right? So I'll leave it there because I could go on and, and then I may be tempted and inspired to freestyle and we don't have time for that. So let me just go ahead. And- <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think it, there's some really good points in there. I think, um, you know, we've kind of harkened back on the history of uh, the portrayal of Black people uh, and people of color throughout the years. And I think um, there's a really great point to be discussed in, you know, why people of color are willing to consume uh, media that's consume and perpetuate media that's unhealthy for them. I think just thinking about our transition from, let's say, in America here, with Black people, um, slavery days where when people were enslaved, we were depicted as buffoons or just idiots and, you know, near animals. Uh, because in doing the research, I, you know, we, I see that that was a comfortable way to depict us because we were enslaved and we were completely subjugated. And that the branding began to change as people of color gained political rights within this country and and political power and economic power. One particular point that jumps out to me is uh, Black Wall Street, where as people began to generate that economic power, we began to see the branding of the Black people change from being those buffoons and and worthless idiots to being brutes and thugs and and becoming threatening as, let's say, the, the, the majority began to feel that they were losing control and, and we're not at, you know, we were not as subjugated to their will. So I'm, I wonder if the changing images and branding of people of color is connected to the loss of white privilege in America. Uh, we know that Asian people are becoming some of the number one group of pe- ethnic group in America uh, in terms of earnings per capita. So they're gaining political power. Uh, we see also that we have a global economy here where companies, uh, excuse me, uh, countries like India are major players in the technology industry. And so I'm wondering if the changing branding of people, and as we also see an uptick in Asian violence here in America, hate crimes and so forth. So I'm just wondering if the changing economic situation in the world and in America are leading to this more heavy handed portrayal of people of color, um, because they're an even greater threat than previously. Absolutely, Dark Juan, and I, I, I love how you framed this because, again, I'm just I'm I'm one with your words, right? You're you're speaking, you're asking great questions, and I'm just allowing my mind to be with what you're asking and sharing. And what comes to mind for me in this particular question uh, and category is is just the psychology of human beings. You know, all of us work office jobs and or have worked office jobs. And, you know, you think about people who you find are either your competition at work or who you feel threatened by as a result, because competition can be healthy, right? We can say, oh my God, there goes T off. I, you know, I'm going to sharpen my sword again, you know, with hers, you know, because she's, she's a sharp individual. But if I felt threatened by T off or someone else, you know, I wouldn't personally do this, but I know people in the corporate setting who do, they start saying on, on unflattering things about people. That is a form of, of, of oppression, or that is a form of influencing the office's perception of someone because one individual, or maybe a few, 
are intimidated or threatened. So I'm, I always like I've to start small. To me we'll, we'll see, there, there you go. And, and I'm starting small with office politics, Darquan, because of course, what you're speaking of is, is a much larger conversation. But I'm always just looking at where does the where do these things show up in my personal life, the microcosm, as we discuss the larger stage? So those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I like that level of conversation because I think it's easy to relate to. Uh, T off, did you have some thoughts on on how that shows up in your life? I'm just thinking about just some of the points that you all have made, and I, I just I have so many different thoughts about this. Um, like the question that you asked, like, why is it that we as a people consume these things? It's, it's, it's social conditioning at the end of the day. If you've grown up in a negative environment and all you're ever hearing is you're the, you're this, you're that, then you're going to believe that and you're going to continue to consume those images and you're going to continue to perpetuate that because you haven't been shown anything else. That's a great point. And great I just point. feel like it's all, it's just, it's like I said, I, I just feel like it's, it's all connected and we're not going to really have positive portrayals of ourselves until we really, it's like, we need a, a cleansing. It's like, we need PTSD counseling. It's like, we, we need to be completely deprogrammed. You have to be woke on a different level to even be receptive to being deprogrammed and saying, Hey, the way I've been conditioned to view, my, view myself is not right. We need to really make a change. I love that tee off because it's that it's that mm -hmm. reprogramming that I think we touched on even with our last episode, you know, uh, season seven, episode three on Let's Heal. And Dark One was the one who, you know, I, I, I've, I've listened to that episode several times since it was published. And the recurring theme for, for Dark One was our environment right? How does the environment, if the environment is sick, <laughs> that needs to heal. But I, I do agree with you, Tiaf, that we have individual responsibility on healing. And so for me, I'm, I'm just to as much degree that I can, I'm celebrating Blackness. Many of you who know that I work for a predominantly Black institution, and I've been there for several years, and it has really inspired in me the desire to do just what Tioff said, which is to reprogram. Like I have never worked with this many black scholars, PhDs, MDs, not that I suspected otherwise that we didn't have that intellect, no, but just being in a space where there is that, it's, it's beautiful. So my Monday through Friday <laughs> is a constant reminder of black excellence and, um, and people of color excellence, you know, going back to the theme, rebranding people of color, not just African-Americans. So really love what you said, uh, Tia, off about that personal responsibility for, for um, reprogramming. 